Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're converting people one stomach at a time to what fresh food can taste like. You use whatever you can use and respect every bit of it. You know, if it's in season, you use it. We need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and what it's doing before we can start putting things on dishes. G'day and welcome to the Quicksand Food Connection. I'm Stefan Postuma. Today I speak with Kim from Sutton Forest Olives. Kim has been producing olives and olive oils in the Southern Highlands for a number of years now and she has a fantastic product. It was great to get out there and visit her farm. Uh, she's always challenging herself, she's always learning new things and she sells her products around the community of the Southern Highlands. It was great to get to know Kim and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kim from Sutton Forest Olives. We moved from Camden to Pheasant's Nest um, and then um, when we had a small beef stud yeah. and then um, when we decided to go into olives we knew that we couldn't plant olives um, at Pheasant's Nest because our property bounded onto the Nepean River okay. so um, the governments and the councils wouldn't allow us to do it there because of the runoff but the underground water there wasn't great and our yield wasn't huge so we really didn't have enough water to um, warrant putting in an olive grove. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we did was we started looking around. We had a really lovely spot where we were. We started looking around. We were controlled somewhat by um, schools for our kids um, as well as my husband's business. So mm-hmm. as he didn't want to be sort of travelling an hour every day to go to work. Yeah. So we set ourselves a time limit of um, 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. And this is 33 minutes <laughs> from where my husband works. Okay, cool. So the decision to move to the Southern Islands and you know to choose the property that you did and stuff was very much based around a view to olive production? It was, yeah, yeah. It was also, um, my husband grew up here as a little boy. Yep. Um, he then moved away and came back. Um, but yeah, he grew up here. He was here until he was nine. Mm-hmm. So there were lots of um, roots here that, you know, from his perspective. And as I said, like he... Um, spent quite a bit of his childhood at his uncle's farm down at Maroolan. Mm-hmm. So school holidays, that's where he went. Yeah. Um, so his mum would put him on the train and he'd go to Maroolan for his school holidays. Yeah. Cool. So um, we... we um, I grew up in like a rural district, but my parents didn't necessarily have agricultural background. 
Um, but um, one of our, I, I loved horse riding and things like that. And um, one of our first conversations when I met my husband was um, uh, the one one day having a farm. Yep. That was our one of our first conversations, and we didn't know each other from Adam, but <laughs> it was just like you know we were just sitting chatting about one day I'd like to own a farm. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And what was it about olives that sort of got you to start with? Well. Um, 25 years ago was actually when we started looking at the possibility of olives and um, we um, we read some articles about the resurgence of the olive industry in Australia in the newspaper and um, we started sort of asking a few questions and sort of maybe oh maybe this is a possibility and um, you know because we were looking for something else other than the cattle Mm -hmm. So um, we started, that's how we started. Um, And then it probably took us about another five years of doing some courses, doing a few bits and pieces to decide whether that's what we were going to do or not. And then once we decided that's what we were going to do, it was then with a... We had then had a means to an end as to what we were doing and why we were doing it. Yeah, awesome. Um, So um, we started off with 500 trees, which we planted... Um, 16 years ago yeah. and then we got another 1500 when we realized we could do it yep <laughs> so about five years later we got another 1500 trees so we've got about 2000 yeah which is is enough to make a um you know a comfortable a, a nice business out of yeah. you know like i mean we're definitely not making money out of it there's too much outlay up the front at the moment so yeah. but um you know you've got lifestyle you've got you know, it, it's all about, it's a combination of lifestyle and yeah. business and farming and, yeah. Yeah, and how did you go sort of going through the process of learning about olives and, and educating yourself on, you know, obviously there's so much to know, the different varieties and then, of course, making olives. Absolutely, and absolutely. And- well, um, oh, look, just every opportunity that I got. Yeah. And, and look, you know, to be to be honest, my husband would love to have been there holding my hand the whole way. Yeah, um, and he has been, but I'm the one who's had more opportunities to do the training. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's been there, and he's always been there helping, um, and he's always been there doing his bit. And he he works out in the in the grove, and we do a lot of things together. But um, I'm the one with the knowledge. I'm the one with the training. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just um, been um, given the official olive oil judge approval, yep. if you like. So, what, what sort of events are they for then? Um, I'll look, you know, um, the national olive oil competition yep. um, with the Australian Olive Association, um, Canberra. Uh, Nash- Canberra, um, Canberra show, show. Yeah, yeah. that's coming up isn't it yep, yep. you're going to be down there for that one? well they haven't done the olive oil competition in the last couple of years oh really that's unfortunate no no because um, look you know the, the um, what is it the people that run the show um, probably didn't put as much emphasis on oil yeah okay and one lady that was running the whole shebang um, she um, she got sick Oh, okay. So she, there was a bit of interest lost there, yeah. which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, 
I, I'm my next target is the Sydney Royal. Yeah. Okay. I'm sort of heading that. Way. Have you have you got a a bit of a, a plan in place or sort of a goal in mind? What year you want to try to? Is it this year you'll try to be getting there or? Oh no, no. Just it's just more about looking for opportunities. Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, yeah. Looking for opportunities to get to get your name in there. I mean, I've certainly. Um, by doing the judging with the National Association, I have links and contacts with people which um, will benefit me. Yeah. Yeah, and people who are already judging at the Sydney Royal. Um, so it's really a matter of me sort of probably expressing an interest. Yeah, okay. And getting my... And feeling confident to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm not that confident yet, so... Yeah. I'd rather just take my time, of get my sea legs, and then you know, yeah, and then and then do it. That's yeah. cool. So. Is so? I mean, when you're tasting an olive oil, and I'm sure you taste your own all the time, um, what do you what do you sort of look for to decide its quality and what you need to maybe add? Or well, I mean, you you've got to first of all, you've got to smell it. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's a, a smell thing. You know, it's you, before you even taste it's smell. Um, you know, freshness the aromas, you know, there's a whole gamut of different labels and descriptions mm-hmm. that are given to olive oil. Um, if you equate wines with olive oil, you've got, you can start to get a feel, you know, of the descriptors that yeah. accompany an olive oil, you know, and when you're talking about, um, um, you know, it's got aromas of lemon and it's got, you know, this, that, the other. Believe it or not, that's that's what comes with the... Thing. You actually need to. Yeah, of course. And one of the things that I'm doing a lot of at the moment is when I go into a fruit and veg shop, I'm picking up the kale and I'm picking up the, the thing. I'm getting smells and the and the endive and um, the rocket and all those sorts of tastes and aromas that come towards labelling an olive mm-hmm. oil. They're the ones that you need to become familiar with. Chocolate, yeah, chocolate's one. Um, and then you've got the bad smells like the musty socks, and you've got to go around and you've got to know what these smells smell like. <laughs> when you, so you know, wet hay, um, you know those sorts of smells, and you've yeah. got to sort of know. Yeah, one of the one of the courses that I did, um, we walked into a room. It was our first um, foray into this course, and we walked into a room that had about fifty plastic cups, white plastic cups, with um, chucks cloth over the top, and with an elastic band around the top. And all they had on the outside of the plastic cups were the numbers, one to fifty or whatever. And we were given a blank piece of paper with the numbers one to whatever, and we had to smell them and say what was in the container. And you couldn't see what was in the container. Yeah, wow, interesting. It is very hard. Yeah, I'm it sure is it really is. hard. And you can be standing there and you going, "I know what that smell is. I know it, but can you put a label on it?" Mm. And when somebody says to you, "Oh, it's almonds," you go. Of course, <laughs> of course, it's almonds. You can smell it. Yeah. 
Um, so it's those sort of descriptors. Yeah. So first of all, yeah, it's the smell. Um, secondly, it's um, it's the um, well, it's the taste, obviously. But you know, it like you 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 take a mouthful of the oil and you allow it to roll over your tongue yeah. and it goes into all the different areas of your tongue whether it be bitterness whether it be the sweetness whether it be um sour um whether it be um at the pungency yeah. which is the pepper the peppery yeah. yeah okay so it's all of those factors that go into um tasting an olive oil mm-hmm. and um most of those descriptors that i just told you about they're they're um they're, they're good good descriptors mm. so you want an olive oil that is fresh herbaceous um that is well it might not necessarily be herbaceous there's a lot of olive oils out there that aren't necessarily herbaceous but they're still a good olive oil yeah um here in the highlands at sutton forest olives we produce a pretty good herbaceous soil mm-hmm. and i don't know it's a cool climate thing yeah um our oils tend not to be overripe um our fruit isn't overripe so our oils are very fresh herbaceous um quite pungent we can we have a quite a you know my, my biggest struggle is to produce a mild oil yeah okay i can't i know is that is that to do with the varieties that you've planted or um that's something to do with it but it's also a lot to do with the climate okay yeah yeah they're just the the soil the nutrient level of the soil you know rich soils here in the yeah are, i don't know whether it's the, the soils necessarily but it's the climate it's just yeah, okay. because you're not producing an overly ripened fruit i mean some people would actually ask whether it's possible to grow olives in the highlands because our of our cooler climate yeah but we've specialised in growing olives that mostly are of Tuscan origin. Okay. So they're quite elevated in Tuscany. Um, they get often get snow in Tuscany. Um, so the trees love nothing more than a really good, nice chill. Yeah, okay. They love that. That's great. Yeah, so that's why we've got such a good crop this year. Yeah. Because we had snow three times this year. Really? Yeah. Wow. So um, yeah, we only got small lots, but we got snow. So yeah. it was it was cold enough to get some snow. So that's cool. Yeah, and I suppose going back to the judging a little bit, you know, educating yourself and doing those sorts of courses and stuff allows you to be a better olive oil producer as well because you can apply all that stuff. To yeah, like I hope so. Like. I yeah. hope so. I mean, you know, it's um, it's look, I'm still I'm still learning. I'm always learning. Um, never never stop. Yeah. you know um you know each year and you try not to be biased when it comes to your own oil mm-hmm. you've really got to sort of evaluate your own oil and say well you know this year's is not as good yep um last year's was amazing um this year's isn't as good mm-hmm. um but most of the time because i keep all the varieties separate um when it comes to actually bottling and selling to the public I off I try to offer two main varieties of extra virgin olive oil 
One is a milder one that I'm able to create by blending different varieties together. And one is a more pungent, bitter oil. Mm-hmm. And that's what I aim to do so that we can sort of please people who want a milder oil and you please people who want a more peppery oil. Yeah. And yeah. so what are the, can you just run us through the varieties that you've got here? We have um, Correggiola, Frantoio, uh, Lucino, um, Pendolino, and Manzanello. Okay. <laughs> and so I guess choosing your varieties, as you say, you know, you have to think about the climate that you've got here. You've got to be thinking about yeah. the type of olive oil you yeah. want to produce as well. So there's a bit that goes into choosing them. Well, the Manzanillos are actually a Spanish origin. Yeah. And the only reason we have Manzanillos, and we have 22 of them, is because they were accidentally put into the... Um, into the delivery <laughs> when, we, when we received our delivery we we kept looking at these trees and going there's something different about the leaf yeah and um then we um had a leaf analysis done and and then when they started producing fruit they were completely different fruit right and do you find is it is it sort of handy to have absolutely because yeah. manzanillos i don't we don't use them for their oil because they're not fabulous oil um in saying that some people probably make great oil out of manzanillos um but um they're um great for curing yeah for table 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 fruit yeah and so with your table olives you were telling me earlier that you what you try to do now is just a mix of all the different varieties that you have here and a really simple marinade really simple base yep Yep, and um, I also have a couple of friends who grow a diff- couple of different other varieties, yep. and they give me fruit in exchange for oil. Oh, great. So they might have, you know, 50 trees, and they are looking to, what are, what are we going to do? Because it's really just purely hobby yeah. at that level. And so they um, approached me. I've got a couple of people who have approached me over the years, and they've said, um, I've got... Um, Jumbo Calamatas, or I've got Calamatas, or I've got, um, um, I'm just trying to think of the different varieties I've got in there, but Frantoyos, and, you know, if I if I handpick them, can I bring them round? And hmm. I said, absolutely, because I don't get time. When it's when it's harvest time here, it's very full on. Yeah. Absolutely. And for full on for at least one month before and after harvest. And even though we mechanically harvest and we um, have four days of intense harvesting, um, uh, the lead up to that and the uh, recovery from that, you're looking at at least about a month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All up. Fantastic. So it's fairly full on and I don't get to um, harvest as much fruit as I often would like to because with table fruit you've got to hand harvest. Yeah. So I often don't get to hand harvest as much mm-hmm. as I'd like to. So for other people to go approach me and say, look, you know, we've got all this fruit on the trees, and I'll say to them, well, look, you get it off the trees, I'll have it. Yeah, nice. And I'll give you oil in exchange. Awesome. Yeah. And that's cool to have a little community around you that are all sort of... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, and they're all... It's a, Look, I, I, I tell people when are we when I'm selling it to them, I'll say, look, that, that one there, the Frantoyo and the Manzanillo, they're mine. The Jumbo Calamatas and the Calamatas, they're friends of mine. Yeah. <laughs> but I mix them all in together. Yeah. yeah. And 
when you are selling it to people, like uh, a lot of your, you know, distribution is done through markets and stuff like that, or you do a bit of those that sort of thing. Um, the markets, um, are part of the equation. Yeah. Like I look at the markets as being the contact I have with the public. Exactly. Yeah. So um, when people can actually meet the grower, and I look at the markets as being an educational tool. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I see as being my role is to educate the public mm-hmm. because there's a lot of misinformation out there about olive oil, what is a good olive oil, uh, the way olive oil should be stored, um, um, you know, why the imported oils aren't up to scratch. Um, there's a lot of information out there that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't speak to the public at the supermarket. Of course, yeah. We've got our products in a number of supermarkets around here, but um, I can't speak to the public there. Mm-hmm. But I can speak to the public at the markets. So, you know, when I... I'm, you know, when I'm talking to people, I'll tell people where our product's available from. And I'll often say, even on a day when I might not sell very much, it's still a good day. Of course, yeah. I've found the same thing selling books. Having the opportunity to be able to talk directly to your customer and get their feedback and educate them about what you're trying to achieve Absolutely. and what you're doing is a fantastic thing. And if you if you don't make money while you're there, it doesn't matter. It's still a win for me. But you often, you often get the flow on yeah, from that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll get people ring me up, you know, weeks after a market and say, oh, look, um, I picked up a business card and I'll go, oh, did you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I'll get people who, um, you know, contact me via the, via the website mm-hmm. um, for deliveries or, or a friend has, has bought them some of my product and given it to them for Christmas. Yeah. And they've just fallen in love with it and they've said, where can I get more? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of benefits with doing the markets, and I love being part of all the food markets and yeah. things like that. So I I have one main market that I do, which is um, Barrel Public School okay. Market, um, and I do that once a month. Yeah. That's pretty much without fail. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I do all the big festivals. Mm-hmm. So I don't do many others that are like, um, you know monthly or weekly around here and in, but in saying that last week i started my first weekly market but i'll probably end up doing it once a fortnight mm. but um this particular market is a new initiative um and it's going to be on thursday afternoons in Mosfale, yeah. at Mosfale. Yeah. and it's a going to be dedicated to um food yep and um um Organics, community gardens, all that sort of stuff. It really is a, about what I've been hammering on about for years is um, the producer communicating with the public. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, without all the pretty stuff. Yeah. So I just sold it off the back of the truck. Yeah, that's nice. I was, it was just like I didn't have to dress all... I, I mean, I made it a little bit pretty, but... Um, in order to do something on a weekly basis, I went, I can't do the full setup. Yeah. 
I need to do a cut down version. Otherwise, I just won't. Mm. I won't. It, well, I won't be able to keep it up. Yeah, and those sorts of those sorts of markets are, you know, there's so many benefits to it for locals to be able to support, um, you know, their neighbour. Absolutely. Going down there, and then also, you know, you'll be standing alongside someone who grows veggies, and then maybe someone else who sells lamb, or it could be anyone. And then yeah. you two start talking, and it brings it brings other producers together at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even last week, um, <clears throat> a lady came to me who sells um, garlic, and. Um, she was saying to me, you know, where do I get my garlic from to go into the garlic oil? And I said, well, look, I, I, you know, I don't have a particular supplier. I go more the wholesale direction um, because I said I've got to treat it because you're always at risk of botulism with garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to go through a massive treatment process and dehydrate it and roast it and everything like that. So to get it already sterilised is a big thing with garlic. Okay. But um, in the process, she was. Um, she then said to me something about, "Oh, coming down to the Kayama markets," mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, I couldn't manage another market." And then she says, "Oh, well, maybe I could take your products down to the Kayama markets." So here she is. It looks as though she's probably going to buy product off me wholesale mm-hmm. and take it to the Kayama markets. Yeah, I great. said, "I said to her, I said, she wants to pay wholesale. She can do whatever she likes with it." Afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. And, I mean, it, it's great. It's That's just, you know, producers supporting one another. Absolutely. When, when it comes to markets and that sort of thing, it's it's a lot of work, you know, setting up for markets and, and ah. trying to get to more than one market a week is, it takes up a lot of your time, especially if you're trying to produce oils and, and, and marinate olives and, you know, be on the grow picking and yep. all the rest of the things you've got on your list. Well, so. we, we do this, my husband and I do this pretty much, just just us um i've only started having a helping hand one day a week um i put a lady on one day a week about six months ago yeah okay so we've been now producing um well i I said we planted the trees 16 years ago we started producing 11 years ago Mm -hmm. and we've been selling it to the public all that time and slowly increasing our product range um you know, and um, then you sort of got the issue, well, okay, I've got enough oil, so what do I do now with the leftover oil? So I make soaps. Yeah, that's a new thing that you're going into now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. How's so, that going for you? Oh, it's going well. Yeah, yeah. no, I've taught myself how to make soap, <laughs> make olive oil soap. So, um, you know, you get some good things turn out and some not so good Trial things. Trial and error, like anything else, really. Absolutely. Yeah, and it definitely gives the... Uh, the workshop a nice nice aroma as well as we sit here <laughs> with the essential oils yeah, yeah with all the essential yeah. oils yeah, yeah it smells really nice um i guess today also not only have we had a look at your groves and um some of your products but you also made a nice olive oil chocolate cake for us do you want to tell us a little bit about that recipe oh well um i um I've always sort of used olive oil in savoury applications, um, but over a period of time started to sort of feel the need to get rid of um, the crappy fats in our diet, I guess, and um, substituting um, butter and margarine, um, 
in the diet as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Now I'm quite anal about using olive oil or butter mm-hmm. and nothing in the middle. Yep. Um, I don't use olive oil spreads because they've got about 5% olive oil in them. Um, I use, you know, the fair income thing. So I don't even use the softened butters anymore. Yeah. I use the real butter because it's got um, some canola oils and things like that in them. Mm. So the need to sort of do that and then try to substitute olive oil wherever I could and playing around with that idea. So um, I've started making most of my cakes now with um, amazing success in just substituting a, a cake that's got butter in it. I substitute olive oil. Yeah. And what I've discovered is that, and, you know, this is probably something that a lot of people know, but I've just been a bit slow on the uptake. I've, what I've discovered is that in a raw um, batter, the olive oil can be quite strong. Mm-hmm. But when it gets cooked, that flavour disappears. Yeah. And so all you're left with is this beautiful moistness Yeah. Um, that's left in this cake. Yeah, it really um, gives it that that great moisture and integrity that yeah, that, yeah. that any other fat would, would give it in, in yeah. a cake. Yeah. So um, then I started looking for, like, um, I, as I said earlier, like I'm often try to be as fairly gluten-free um, just because I feel better by choosing that direction. And um, so um, I found um, some recipes that like were gluten-free but didn't have olive oil in them. And so um, then I started to substitute olive oil in them. And um, then I sort of discovered that by using um, Dutch cocoa, was gave a much more intense so yeah the the olive oil chocolate cake um was a combination of about five different recipes that evolved into one yeah and um i've just pushed the parameters with the olive oil in it yeah so i think it's about three quarters of a cup of olive oil in one cake yeah yeah well for a for a delicious chocolate cake it's relatively guilt-free compared to some other things you can oh well it's it's dairy free yeah it's gluten-free um uh, unfortunately it's not egg free it's it's egg it's got eggs in it so. mm. but um but there's good fats in olive oil and 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 things as well it's not you know oh well that's that's the thing i mean you know it's not about these these low fat diets and things like that they're starting to show now that um it's not about the low low fat because inevitably what has happened to our population by cutting down our fat is that we've eaten more sugar yeah, exactly. And I often give people the illustration just of sim- something simple is milk. Mm. You turn a carton of milk around and you look at the full cream milk and you look at the level of lactose in it and then you turn a carton of skim milk around and you look at the level of lactose in it and without us realising it, yeah, we might not be eating as much fat but we're eating more sugar. Yeah. And it's natural sugar, it's lactose, but it's still sugar. Mm. It still gets broken down into into glucose. Mm-hmm. And um, we're literally, we're encouraging that dependency on glucose. And the other thing is, eating things with fat in them and eating good fat, you eat less of it. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, 
Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of work being done now about the the sort of high protein, high fat diets rather than mm. you know a lot of sugar and carbohydrates. Yeah, yeah, the ketone diets and things like that. that Absolutely, yeah. and and I mean, it got a whole number of benefits, not just on general health, but like helps out the brain and all that sort of mm. thing as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, very interesting. Um, we'll probably leave it at, at that, Kim. Um, sure. Thanks so much for contributing to the Southern Highlands Cookbook. It's great to have you. Great to have you be a part of it. Love your love your olives and I love your olive oils and you know such a beautiful grove and a beautiful property here. Oh, and, thank you. You know I wish you all the best with judging and the soaps how they come along. So there's mm-hmm. always things happening in the future. So yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Quicksand Food Connection. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kim from Sutton Forest Olives. If you want to find out any more about Sutton Forest Olives where you can buy any of Kim's products, you can visit her website, which is suttonforestolives.com.au. You can also find them on Facebook at Sutton Forest Olives. Um, She does a great product and I really enjoyed getting to know her. Uh, If you want to find out more about us, you can visit our website, which is quicksandfood.com. There you can download all the episodes of the southern highlands cookbook edition of the podcasts you can also visit us on facebook at quicksand food and on instagram at quicksand food also you can get a copy of the southern highlands cookbook from all good bookstores and you can also buy them online at quicksandfood.com hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.